Productions. This show is all about the people behind the science of biotechnology and medical devices. Through the stories of the people, I hope that Lab Rats to Unicorns is able to describe the transformative process of you know, how an idea starts in the lab and eventually becomes a life-saving treatment or a product that, that helps patients with diseases. Life-saving. Life, life Okay, in this Lab Rats to Unicorns episode, we venture into the intricate world of life science innovation spaces with James Lewis and Mason Elstock. From the nuances of creating standout spaces that cater to diverse innovator types to the importance of location and driving differentiation, we dissect what truly makes an innovation hub thrive. As we spotlight their landmark projects, James and Mason will share insights into the pivotal decision points that have shaped their work. Beyond the structures and the spaces, we also delve into the Atlanta ecosystem's present dynamics and the perspective horizon over the course of the next decade. And through it all, the personal journeys of our guests, uh, as always, will enrich our understanding, the merging of the professional development, what brought them here today, and really the inspirational paths that each of them followed to bring us really are some, some really groundbreaking projects here in Atlanta. So. Um, James Mason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. Um, James's background, just to give a little bit of uh, specifics um, to, to each individual. Um, James, he combines deep expertise in strategy, business development, and operations, grounding his career on driving innovative ventures. He is the co-founder and former CEO of 1110 Innovation Partners. He showcased his leadership acumen from 2018 onwards in this role. His diverse professional journey also includes pivotal roles at renowned firms like Cox Enterprises, and Booz Allen Hamilton. Um, Mason Elstock, uh, with nearly two decades in the realm of innovation districts and anchor-driven developments, Mason stands out as a beacon of leadership in converging real estate, academia, and business. As the president and CEO of Rowan Foundation, Mason steers the vision of Rowan ensuring its long-term ethos remains unswerving. Prior to this, his prowess was manifested as the Chief Operating Officer of North Carolina's renowned Research Triangle Park, as his involvement extends beyond organizational boundaries as he served as the past president of the Association of University Research Parks. Um, he also holds different roles within the Urban Land Institute. So we're just going to jump right in, and maybe if we can, I'm going to ask Mason to talk a little bit about um, what you're doing at Rowan Foundation and the, the large visionary endeavor that you're engaged in right now. That's great. Well, thanks again for, for having us. Um, you know, we, we, we have a bold vision for Rowan. Uh, it's, a, it's a project that is, uh, has place as, at its core. You know, uh, the Rowan Foundation was established with 2,000 acres of land that we've assembled uh, over the past few years, uh, really with this vision to create a destination that brings together our higher education institutions, um, an amazingly diverse workforce pipeline across Georgia, and then connecting that to industry um, and life science and ag tech and technology and the many enabling technologies like robotics and AI and cyber and uh, you know the many areas that, that those industries touch um, and our foundation we were really set up to be the steward of that vision so we have a significant real estate holding and then we are actively engaging with senior level leaders at our universities uh, as well as colleges and HBCUs to make that direct connection and, and how we can use that real estate really as a platform to help the institutions be successful and bring great jobs to Georgia through our development. 
Yeah, it, it's an amazing vision, and maybe just um, under underscoring kind of the the, sky, the scale and and the overall scope of the endeavor, kind of you know for the audience a little bit around kind of where it's located vis-a-vis um, Atlanta and the city center, and then it's you know overall scope and scale I think is useful to hear. Great. Um, Absolutely. There's Highway 316, University Parkway has been in place for for many years. That's the uh, connection point between Athens and Atlanta. And Rowan sits right at the dead center along University Parkway. We're about 33 miles to Athens and about 35 miles to Atlanta. Um, Surrounding the Rowan region, as I like to call it, there's 75,000 annual graduates coming out of over 50 research and higher education institutions. So there's a great diverse talent pool. Again, 2,000 acres where we have about 1,500 acres on the north side of 316 and another 500 acres on the south side of 316. Uh, We've worked very closely with Gwinnett County, which is our funding partner as a a public-private venture and getting the first phase of the project stood up. Uh, over $243 million have been committed to Rowan in operations and land assemblage and construction. Uh, all the entitlements are in place for over 22 million square feet of development, which would include office and lab space and research and development R&D space, but we'll also have uh, several Rowan villages within the 2,000 acres that will have residential and, um, you know, great parks and trails that really connect the environment to the areas where people are living and working. Uh, The Rowan offices having kind of a civic convening center at the heart of Rowan for people to be able to gather and and really serve as a neutral convener, um, you know, not only for our universities, but really also for the region and for the state uh, where, you know, the the joke I'd always say in Research Triangle Park to our partners is, you know, Rowan in this case is everyone has a set of keys, but you can't lock anybody else out. Hmm. We're here to be able to collaborate as a family with everybody having the last name of Georgia and looking globally. How do we really help each other to stand out and be successful? And that's, you know, with that scale, with 22 million square feet, with all of these mix of uses that we can build out over the next 30 plus years, it's a long development timeline. Um, that's the the physical place that we'll create. That's great. And I want to come back to you know, RTP as somewhat of a precursor or a model Um that, sure. that we can kind of talk and dive a little bit deeper into in terms of how we can kind of think about what how that's come to fruition over years, how it's, how it's evolved, and maybe how it could be a guidepost for um, what the future looks like. Sure. But before I do, I wanted a chance for James to talk a little bit about um, 1110 Innovation and your n- new space and the things that you're doing um, and how you're using early on here the space to create and catalyze um, an innovation ecosystem. Yeah, excellent. Well, well, first off, thanks for having me and, and glad to be here with John and Mason to, to talk about this topic. Yeah, 1110 Innovation Partners, we have a big vision, but our mission is simple. We bring together strategy, technology, and the power of partnerships to enact meaningful change in healthcare. As we built the company over the years, it was really a service-based company where we were, we were working with health systems and life science companies and med device companies and payers and so forth to help them really run their innovation in digital and commercial programs. But as we evolved the company, we realized that the ecosystem-based approach to collaboration and really working across industry lines was as much a value proposition as the the services we provided. And, uh, and as part of that ecosystem, space is a critical component. Uh, we, we actually came into the space 
at a very interesting time because being a growing company, we didn't have a home base, whereas many larger companies were consolidating space. And so we were forced with the decision is, you know, do, do we need an actual home base? And what we determine is that space is always going to be critical for collaboration and getting folks there in person. But the flavor of space that we took is more of a destination that folks want to come to and that folks can really experience the future of healthcare in. Uh, and so we built what we call the Digital Health Innovation Lab. It's located here in Atlanta in West Midtown. Uh, it's not a large footprint. It's about 8,000 square feet, but it is very intentionally designed because we're connecting, enabling technologies in the lab like 5G, like multi-access edge computing, like high-performance computing. We have an array of emerging technologies, things like artificial intelligence and augmented reality and advanced imaging. And then that is all pulled together in a catalog of use cases. So any category of uh, players in healthcare can kind of come in and they can experience what the future will look like, which really spurs collaboration, it spurs discussion and it spurs ideas. And, and that's really what we wanted. So we're using the lab uh, in a lot of different ways. Big, big thing that I like to say is that it's not just for the 1110 team or our ecosystem. We want the lab to be for the entire healthcare, life sciences, and public health community. So it, it's used to co-develop technologies. It's used to collaborate with folks across the industry, but it's also used uh, for events. So we have the CDC in there today hosting an event. We've had many of our industry partners down having events or having off-sites, uh, and we look forward to expanding the use of, of the space. Base, uh, as as the weeks and months go by. Well, you mentioned an important word as you began to describe, you know, the space, and that was the word design. Maybe you could dive into that a little bit more deeply, and certainly design, many people will think about that in terms of the physical infrastructure, but maybe you could talk a little bit about how you're creating the conditions to achieve the goals that you described, meaning who's there, what are they doing, yeah. what are they working on, and there's an element of design in that. Any thoughts? Yeah, there, th that's, that's a great question. I mean, we're very passionate and intentional about design in all aspects of what we do. Uh, the first part of that stems because there is no shortage of innovation and technology across all industries, but it's really the design and the experience of that design or the experience of the user reacting to that design is, is why that technology is going to get adopted and why it's ultimately going to make an impact. So when we, we thought about our lab we kind of have two capabilities in the way we position it. And uh, the first is that we have kind of lab as a service. So when you come in our lab and you are looking to engage in testing on enabling technology or making decisions on emerging technology or working through a use case, we are very intentional about the experience you have uh, in interacting with that use case, the experience you have in understanding emerging technologies, and then the experience you have going into the backspace in our lab and doing human-centered design with end users. Um, so it, we're, we're very intentional about that. The, the lab is segmented into two parts. The front of the house is the showcase where it is much more uh, you know, next generation technology focus. And then the back of the house is going to be more like a user experience or human-centered design experience with uh, whiteboards, touchscreens, 
post-it notes. I mean, I, I, it's really uh, it, it's really a scene to to be seen when people are in the uh, the space working. Yeah, very cool. And maybe just flipping it over to Mason for a moment and just kind of staying on that same topic. Now you're working on different dimensions and different time scale, even in terms of kind of what happens next. Um, can you talk about the element of trying to design, you know, this this whole area, a large tract of land, um, to create conditions so that, you know, the work begins, you know, and maybe you could talk a little bit about what's gotten started there, some of the infrastructure build, and then how you're thinking about um, at steady state as you get out a couple, you know, several years, what do you envision and how do you see that and the uh, your, your use of design in trying to engineer that outcome? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, I studied architecture and then I went into city planning. So design is just in my heart. And then I kind of tripped into finance and real estate as a mechanism to bring places to life. And, uh, you know, I I think design is really important and honestly could not be more important today coming out of the pandemic and this desire for space to be more than just a lease Mm -hmm. and more than just an office to sit in. But people are looking for a community. People are looking for culture. People mm-hmm. are looking for connection. Mm-hmm. And we yeah, even James saying a lab is a service. Uh, right. Yeah, space right. is a service. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for Rowan, while while it's two thousand acres and we and we have this scale, uh, you know, we have the foundational pieces of design that relate to land use and entitlements and our first phase of infrastructure that you'd mentioned that's under construction today as we speak. There's thirty million dollars worth of work underway of roads and trails and smart city infrastructure and all the things that you need to turn land into real estate, mm-hmm. right? And um, and that's creating a place. It's creating accessible sites. It's creating the physical infrastructure, power, fiber that you need to actually execute on development. And I think, you know, in my mind, that's that's the baseline, right? That That's where everyone has to begin if you're going to do any kind of vertical development and attract companies. Where I think there's additional thought and intentionality is around the narrative and crafting of a culture that relates to a place that ties to one, the type of community you are building in. So looking around your real estate, looking around to your stakeholders and partners and saying, what are the authentic accessible elements of this place that I need to ingrain into how we execute development? and how we talk about our mission and vision and how does that reflect back to the rest of the world a unique quality of this destination and you do that for us you know we work closely with UGA uh, in doing a cultural and historical resources report actually looking back at the agricultural history at the farming history at the there was a medical office that building of a, a doctor that lived on the land way back delivering babies up and down a dirt road and we kind of curated all of these stories of history that now we're baking into our place. So now it's about much more than just having a piece of real estate to sell. It's about what is our connection to medicine? What is our connection to how this land was cultivated and provided for generations of generations over years in the food that they needed to thrive and the commerce that they entered into on a daily basis? Let's learn from that and apply that into the unique place that we have now. Um, 
The other, I think, you know, is, is them. It's almost pre- anthropological. I it mean, is. Just, it, yeah, really absolutely. understanding what you're building into and on top of and respect for the past yes. and a vision for the future. It's it's the respect for the past and then it's applying it to the future, right? Mm-hmm. So as we think about the name Rowan actually means something. A lot of people think it was somebody's name that, you know, we bought land from, but Rowan is actually an agricultural term that means a second harvest. Okay. It means the second cutting of the same field of hay in the same season. Hmm. And that has meaning to us where Rowan has 2008 acres was a provider of, a, of you know multiple communities for hundreds of years before our foundation showed up. And now we're here to focus on a second harvest. How do we use that same piece of real estate to produce jobs, to produce new innovations and ideas that project forward? And I think all of that comes into placemaking. Love it. Yeah. Well, and again, um, if you think about your experience um, around Research Triangle Park. Can you compare and contrast? Are there similarities to the way you think about what you learned there and applying it to this forward-looking project? Oh, or are there, you know, uh, I'm not trying to draw relationships where there maybe no, aren't there's, any. No, there's but, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, RTP founded in 1959. Um, it was founded in a time when North Carolina was uh, 49th out of the 50 states and all of the things you did not want to be 49th out of the 50 states in. High infant mortality, largely line, heavy labor, manufacturing, furniture building uh, type of jobs, and everyone was having to leave to go find employment after they graduated from Duke or NC State and Chapel Hill. And, you know, there was this vision uh, by from the universities, from the, the governor at the time, and from companies in North Carolina to say, how do we create a new trajectory for the people of our state? And that's where this idea of an RTP was created and carving out a very specific location that was stewarded by a not-for-profit with that sole vision of creating amazing jobs that leverage technologies from the universities, commercialize that, and then recruited companies from around the world. Um, the connection points, you know, are absolutely, and you know, I spent five years in RTP, still have many, many great friends in the triangle and across the state. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's a great example, I think, as a best practice around governance, having a not-for-profit um, Frankly, I don't think you can do a project like RTP or Rowan that have an investment that is above economic cycles, above, you know, stretching across multiple political cycles that doesn't have that long-term vision of stewardship. Mm-hmm. And that was first developed through Research Triangle Park. Okay. So governance very much connected there. We also, you know, the the engagement with universities, not just on the edges, but actually serving on the board of directors. We had that at RTP. That's also how we set it up at Rowan, where Georgia Tech, UGA, Spelman, Emory, Georgia Gwinnett College are all involved and on our board of directors. So the direction is not just anecdotal when it comes to thinking about the workforce of the future. And I think that's where your money, you're either walking the walk or not. And you apply that stewardship, you apply how are you actually leading your organization. Um, and there's you know a number of other connection points to RTP that we could look at, but it's, it's, a, it's a helpful benchmark to kind of draw threads from for a project like Rowan, and then building a tapestry with some of those threads, but also a lot of the threads that we have within Georgia that are unique to our place, and we apply to creating Rowan over the long term. James, back to the kind of your journey and the the people and the importance of you know people in the ecosystem. Can you maybe weave in a little bit about your experience working at uh, Cox or Booz Allen and the experiences you had there kind of in the Atlanta ecosystem and kind of what you've taken from those experiences 
and are now applying it in the innovation setting and you know how maybe even map out what when you think about Atlanta as an ecosystem an innovation ecosystem and in your case and our case more healthcare bio and med tech maybe you could identify some of the key you know uh, types of groups or people that are integral to making sure that you know you're taking the next step forward with this space that you're convening those people in a way. I always used to say in forming, um, we, we launched in Chicago a platform called Matter in the Merchandise Mart. It was the first um, platform that kind of brought together the healthcare and life science ecosystem in Chicago um, almost a, de a decade ago. And I, I always used to say we always had the congregation, but we never had the place to practice. So Matter became the place. And so if you can kind of use that analogy um, is that similar here in yeah. the way you think about w how you're using the space to bring together those people? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start because you mentioned my time at Booz Allen Hamilton and, and Cox Enterprises, which were both you know great places to grow up. And actually, part of my role at both of those organizations were building collaborative innovation programs. At Booz Allen, it was really engaging public agencies to work better with the private sector. And we, we built a physical space for that. And there was an experience around that in, in gathering folks together to come up with their problems, agree on their problems, and then and then really have a, a design focus on how to solve those problems. You know, Cox uh, is, is very big and very passionate about Atlanta. And a big part of my role was helping Cox get more involved in the innovation community, and so we set up TechStars Atlanta, which is a, a at Pot, it's a marquee accelerator. It's located in Atlanta at Pont City Market. Built out a beautiful space there. Uh, we we help seed the Engage Fund at the ATDC, uh, which is uh, still in existence today and thriving. One of the premier corporate innovation venture programs in the uh, in the nation. Uh, and and then at eleven ten, obviously we are kind of corporate innovation, corporate venture as a service, and we have our our lab space. But one theme around the people that has uh, that has surprised me over and over again is that it is it is really less about the organization that's there. It's less about the title of the folks that are there, but getting the right people in, in the room. Um, folks want to do good. They want to be innovative and given the opportunity, they want to be collaborative. And so as much as you know, we pride ourselves on our discipline and the services we provide and the experiences we provide, the fact of the matter is, is that 50% or more of the value is getting the right folks in the room at the right time to collaborate. Um, a few weeks ago, we had our lab opening that was on the heels of our 1110th Innovation Summit. We had about 150 people in town. We had, I believe, 15 Fortune 500 healthcare and life science executives represented. We had countless startups. We had a, a bunch of the Atlanta healthcare, life sciences, and venture community, which I, I know we're going to go into in a minute. And uh, and and watching folks be very intentional about how they collaborated and how they gathered, um, you know, we facilitated a bit of that, but it only took a little bit of direction. And I think that goes back to the intentional design of the space. We were able to have groups uh, experiencing the future of technology and, and talking about it, and then we were able to have groups really diving into a problem and uh, and collaborating. So I, I think you know. In this day and age, folks want to be more innovative. They want the opportunity to do that in their existing roles. And so given the opportunity to collaborate, um, 
you know, a lot of magic can happen. Yeah. And just touching on just the importance of um, local pride with the right individuals, the right organizations that are working in a collaborative fashion. So, you know, what we found in Chicago, you know, in getting, for example, matter off the ground, it was having a uh, a mayor and Mayor Rahm Emanuel that was very, you know, excited about and supportive of tech entrepreneurship. We had um, J.B. Pritzker, prior to him being governor today, was very engaged in the venture community. And having those types of city champions uh, with high profiles became an important factor to try to create something that was different for the city, too. So in many ways, healthcare, life sciences, biopharma, um, even though it's related to tech, it's kind of beyond tech and so it's a new thing for the city um, and if you if you agree with that I think one, one of the things that we found was that by having uh, people uh, and supporters that had really outsized influence in parts of the community that went beyond life sciences so people in the life sciences community understood and wanted to and had a lot of pride and and you know moving ideas forward um but it took people from outside the ecosystem that could start to open up to other people that didn't really understand the importance of life sciences because it's just a it's a foreign type of industry to a young and fledgling ecosystem like chicago i'm just curious if you found similar uh, features of Atlanta's ecosystem as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Atlanta over the most recent years has very much embraced the technology and the tech entrepreneurship and the tech venture scene. And, uh, and that's because Atlanta has a lot of academic assets that, that are putting out talent and are putting out value around that space. Um, but beyond that, I think the the life sciences and the healthcare community it's a little bit more nascent, but it is it is very much uh, growing up quickly, and that's because uh, over the past two three years uh, with COVID as a catalyst, technology has been thrust into the forefront of healthcare and life sciences, and so those two communities starting to bridge together is key. But you know when we look at it, Atlanta, and we look at the academic assets that that Mason mentioned that we have in a in a very small radius, we uniquely have the CDC located here that creates uh, a lot of public health interest. We have a very diverse uh, demographic, uh, both in the urban area, but very quickly you get into rural space that creates a uh, a hotbed for testing new technologies and understanding dynamics around things like health equity. So, I, I think we've seen the tech scene really grow up very quickly on the backs of Georgia Tech and a lot of the talent come out of there. But uh, but there's no reason that Atlanta should not be the global capital for public health and global health because of these unique assets and these unique demographics we have in a very uh, contained area. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to jump because yes. I've been to Matter. I think it's an amazing place. And as you, you talk about the different leadership outside of life science, elected officials that have, that have been supportive. I think that's so important because, you know, in order to have these big, bold visions and execute on them, you, you have to be able to communicate that value to the community at large and attract other people um, that, that are additive to what you want the output to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of those are life science folks, but many of them are not. Yes. Many of them are service providers, investors, uh, you know, others that are just essential into creating that diversity of talent and support network to make it successful. So I think con- congratulations on matter. I think it's yep. just a great example. Well, it, and, and again, it was a, kind of a building block to then, you know, it, it set the stage and created the conditions where there now has 
been a more robust community of people that are working together, that are connecting the dots, but almost in a free-flowing fashion, yeah. not manufactured, you know, or engineered, but by just by purpose. But that that's a building block and a, a layer of sediment that Portal was able to build on top of that. Right. So one of the things that Portal brought to the ecosystem um, complementary to matter was the physical infrastructure that is more specialized in the sense that you can't build wet labs in the merchandise mart. It's a massive, <laughs> you know, really, you know, to turn of the century building beautiful, you know, architecture, but um, not where you're going to put right. wet labs. <laughs> not uh, where, not so, you know, building uh, wet labs to support chemistry and biology that were increasingly emerging from the universities in the ecosystem and more innovative faculty coming into the ecosystem that had the phenotype of individuals you'd find more often at MIT and Stanford to support those individuals that matter success gave us the opportunity to talk more about we also need portal because portal can invest in innovation coming out of matter or M hub or Polsky Center at the University yeah. of Chicago and so market forces become really important so that's what portal was really founded on is bringing the key ingredients needed to go from seed to series A in the but the importance of having a place where you can actually do it um, became an important factor for a city that didn't have that type of infrastructure. And Atlanta has that same profile, and that's why we're excited, obviously, about Science Square Labs and you know having the tenth floor, you know, being able to you know carry out the model here in Atlanta, believing that. Um, the whole thesis is we're taking early risk in these young, fragile ecosystems, but by being part of the early stages, the opportunities we're going to see in ecosystems that are not, you know, in noise, you know, sound chambers, you know, and localized yeah. places where, you know, the geography is more contained, uh, that you have the opportunity for, you know, outsized growth um, by investing in, in the future of the, of the ecosystem. So if I just then flip it back to you, Mason, you know, the, the importance then of really thinking through, you know, what, what comes beyond when I think about Rowan, I think about the scale opportunities and, um, the, 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 the nature of the vision is on one hand, creating a live work play environment. That's very cool. It's, it's a place where people are going to want to be, people are going to want to hang out and you have the opportunity to kind of do it with a, a clean slate you know you're starting from literally from the right. from the ground yeah. up yeah. and i just wonder you know when you think about um this continuum in a way you know early stage to medium stage to then scale uh do you have you thought about the relationship uh between what one might do in the urban setting and then what uh an individual or a company um or sets of organizations or institutions would do um in, in Rowan. Kind of long term. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. You know, there's this, uh, it reminds me of this, I read a lot. Uh, there's this great line from Walt Disney um, back when he was first imagining Epcot. And, you know, Epcot was really, it, it's a place to go in, in Disney now and you visit it in some amazing spot. But when he was first pitching it, he was really talking about a place that was about the future and a place for everyone to come together and experience the future. And he said something that has always stuck with me and whether I was at RTP or I'm thinking about Rowan and I'm thinking about how things change is, he said, uh, you know, this should be a place that is always in a state of becoming. Hmm. It really should never be finished. Hmm. Our work and how we think about our space and how we think about supporting our partners and how we think about what the future can even be 
Um, it's good that we don't have clarity around that, but we also should always be moving forward. We should we should always be saying, this is a place where we come to to break things and rebuild and test out new ideas and always reimagining what is next, what's around the corner. And that's the culture that we want to build. That's the community that we want to build. That's the partnerships that we want to build, whether it's with, with Portal and Science Square and uh, you know the amazing work that, that's going on within Atlanta or it's in Athens or Savannah or even globally. I mean, yeah. we had partnerships at RTP that were in Germany and, yes. and South Korea I mean, around the world yes. because you know the challenges that we are looking to take on at Rowan are not isolated to Georgia, yep, yep, right? Yep. How we feed billions of people, how we care for the environment, how we care for ourselves are all issues that we have to grapple with if we're going to find solutions that bridge industries, that bridge institutions, that bridge political boundaries. And, and that's the spirit of the place that we want to create. Ultimately, what does that look like when you look at an urban environment versus suburban environment? I think it becomes a little more anecdotal because that'll change over the 20, 30, 40, 50 year sure. period yeah. that's ahead of us, yeah. right? That's right. Um, and, and ultimately, if you keep that in mind of it's in a state of becoming and you have good partnerships, then whatever that correlation needs to be of offering an environment for those innovators to take on those global challenges you're going to make that what it what what's required yeah right and it's going to attract investment it's going to attract people that are invested in the future and invested in um, finding those solutions. So there's a there's a bit of a freeing aspect to that for me professionally because I can say, look, you know, I'm going to have the privilege of leading Rowan for a certain amount of time, but my job is to create as flexible and accessible of a platform for partners to convene around this, so that after my time has passed, this institution and the culture that it reverberates to others uh, has that lasting power yeah. and brings others in. That's great. Yeah, that's inspirational. And maybe just stepping back in time, you know, what brought you, If you, let's go back to your early days. You know, what, <laughs> what did you ever think this is what you were going to be doing? Is this what you aspired to do kind of in grade school, high school, college? Absolutely At what point did, uh, <laughs> did it appear to you and say, that's the path that I want to pursue? I mean, you're a specialist. Think about all the it, things you're bringing yeah. together. It's a very unique set of skills and the ability to not only deliver, but also, you know, really narrate and talk about where, where it's going. I mean, right. I, I feel like I can, I, I know what Rowan is. I, I feel like I, I've seen it. I've been yeah. there right, <laughs> because right. you're very effective at ex explaining, you know, what, what's coming. Um, so what got you on the path to begin with? You know, you don't go to school to to college to lead an, an innovation district or a knowledge <laughs> community. Um, but, you know, I think there's things just in my past that have just built a a belief, a value, an expectation of, of one, it's brighter in the future when we work together, so we need to do that. Both of my parents were community college teachers in uh, in Maryland, growing up in Maryland. So I grew up around a kitchen table where I heard from, you know, a teacher, a professor, my mom and dad, that about what opportunities were presented to people um, through education. And particularly in a, in a community college, um, a lot of people that were single moms or looking to learn a new skill to provide for themselves or for their family. So I think that was instrumental in, in seeing education as a pathway to opportunity uh, that um, 
could not be underestimated. I think it was one. Two, I've always enjoyed the beauty of place. Um, you know, when I was in architecture school at Clemson, you know, I quickly discovered I was not going to be Frank Lloyd Wright. Right. I was not, you know, God did not give me the gifts to be an amazing architect, but he gave me a heart and a spirit to see what places like that can do to inspire people Mm -hmm. and to bring them out to their best and um, be an environment that people seek out, Mm -hmm. don't just exist in. And I always found that really intriguing. Um, because it's not a mathematical formula. Mm-hmm. It's more about human nature and about relationships mm-hmm. and what people want to see as a part of their community. So yeah, I think it's complicated. That, it's complicated. I think that played a role. And then, you know, as I went further on in my career, I got more involved in finance and real estate, where I saw those more as the tools in the toolbox to execute on the future that I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. You have to know numbers if you want to know how to work with business and make sure you're not getting taken advantage of that you can direct investment properly, that you can lift up the best ideas and not just the good ideas, and that you can build strategies that um, reflect the type of community you want to have. So I think there's a lot of things just we all have in our professional backgrounds that lead us to where God has us now. Yeah, but it sounds like your parents were a big influence in creating the environment where you're kind of allowed to think that way and be kind of inspired that that is a path that was available to you, even just by pursuing your education. Yeah, yeah. And maybe flipping it over to you, James, talk a little bit about you know what brought you here. What were some of the things that kind of um, allowed you to kind of evolve into what you are today to you know really create the future you know for several sets of companies moving forward? Any yeah. uh, thoughts or anecdotes or stories to share? Well, I would reiterate that I don't think folks go to college to lead a healthcare innovation ecosystem and strategy firm either. So I can certainly relate to that. And it it really is this crossroads for me of my uh, personal experiences and things I'm passionate about and then professional experiences. And, you know, you heard on the professional side that I got a lot of reps building corporate venture groups or corporate innovation groups and really understood that. On the personal side, uh, I grew up a Crohn's disease patient, uh, which if you know anything about Crohn's disease, it's a intestinal disorder and it's very general. Uh, it's not quite clear, uh, or at least it used to not be clear on what causes Crohn's disease. So patients who have it are continuously getting uh, scans, imaging, blood work, uh, infusions, and, and what have you. And as I got uh, out of college, I really became interested in how to get better and w- and went through that process and I'm very glad to say that over the years I am, you know, in endoscopic remission, I was able to kind of run that play for myself and was very uh, lucky. Yeah. But but looking back on my upbringing, you know, we had uh, lots of opportunity. I had great parents came from a great family, had access to great healthcare, and my experience in healthcare was still very challenging. It was still very frustrating and I'm not quite sure had I not taken autonomy to run that play myself, I would have had opportunities to get myself better. Mm -hmm. So as I was really wanting to become an entrepreneur and really thinking about what that meant, I started to say, you know, I have these tools in the toolbox from running corporate innovation groups and corporate venture groups, um, but I'm passionate about change in healthcare. And if if you look at what's going on in healthcare, there's 
330 million Americans. There's about a million, uh, 1.1 million doctors in the United States. There's about 4 million nurses. So it's a very simple math problem as to why technology has to be the catalyst to drive change in all aspects of healthcare. And it's not just delivery, it's creating new drugs, running clinical trials uh, you know, across the board. Um, we're at this tipping point of technology. We have the onset of new enabling technologies, but we also have uh, artificial intelligence, which is going to really revolutionize some of the simple problems in healthcare, like administrative burden, provider burden. So I started to, to look at these things and say, how can I take the professional skills that I have to solve solve for this problem. And, mm-hmm. and where I really landed is that we have to uh, help the large companies, the large incumbents in healthcare transform to work better with these smaller companies that are doing innovative things. And, uh, and that's what 1110 is. We're the bridge to help do that. We're the space where folks can come and do that. And, uh, and it's, it's ever evolving. Uh, just like Mason said, but uh, we're, we're a team of passionate individuals that are all very much aligned on that purpose. So if you look at next steps for the Atlanta ecosystem, kind of where it currently sits, um, where are some of the areas that you think will need improvement and you know, gap filling? Um, you mentioned and touched on you know, venture capital, for example. Maybe you could comment. And that's a pretty broad term. I mean, venture capitalists are specialists that can be hyper-focused in a given area. And even in, within life sciences, you know, there can be focus on um, therapeutics, different types of therapeutics, sure. indications. So I know it's a broad term, but just what's the current tone around um, venture capital today and where do you think it needs to get to um, as you continue to move downstream, recognizing it's just one piece of the puzzle? Yeah. Well, I, I, first off, I mean, I, I love what Portal Innovations is bringing to Atlanta. I love what Rowan's bringing to the to the metro Atlanta community. I think those are going to be uh different but marquee assets that help solve that problem. But if you look at our lab, which is in West Midtown or just downtown Atlanta generally, within a 10-mile radius, you have so many academic, uh, federal and state agencies, corporate headquarters. You have the right mix of talent meets opportunity uh, to, to really do something great. I think where things have broken down a bit is that with all this uh, academic research and federal funding, there's a challenge in going from things that are being created to getting those things into market and going through the capital raise process to commercialize those items. There's there's two roles in that. Certainly think uh, filling the gap of earlier stage venture capital is critical and very focused venture capital too. I think uh, you know being being more industry specific, typically in my opinion, uh, is beneficial because it's more strategic value, not just capital partners. I also think getting more investment from major corporates outside of Atlanta to understand the value of the region is critical. Um, we're starting to see a lot of that in, in technology. Some of the core partners in our lab are non-traditional healthcare players like Verizon and AWS and Dell. Um, so so I, I think that's going to continue to come because folks want a footprint in the South. Uh, diversity and, uh, and equity is a, a big thing, and Atlanta is, is the forefront of that uh, with a lot of what they're doing. So I, I think venture capital is a piece of the puzzle. Um, a lot of folks have to go externally to access that venture capital. We want them to stay here. We want them to stay in Atlanta. But it, uh, it, is, it is a piece of a broader scheme that, uh, that we continue 
continue to get better on every day. Yeah, and part of what I hear you say is this this theme of you know convergence and you know almost a, a tech bio putting tech first and, and in a way the evolution of the ecosystem started with tech and you know it's the the bio of the future is going to the lines will blur even between the participants like you mentioned some of the corporates that are involved that wouldn't be thought about as you know involved in the healthcare innovation but they truly are becoming more so and so i think that even opens up more opportunities and when i think about an ecosystem or a, or a, or a project within an ecosystem how you differentiate amongst other parts of the world and how are we different? How do we have strengths that we can offer that draw those corporate partners that need to be here or need to interact or collaborate locally? Um, and part of that has to be differentiation. And one recurring theme I continue to hear, of course, the research institutions, but you know, diversity and inclusion, health equity policy, um, really offers, I think, a unique advantage to, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, the, the whole healthcare ecosystem. But what are your thoughts on that, Mason, and just any comments around what do you think are the potential barriers to success for continued momentum? Yeah, um, you hit on a couple of things. So one, I think convergence is critical. Uh, you know, I, I think there, there's a delicate balance between a focus on a particular industry struck, industry segment while also recognizing that the convergence of industries is a reality. And oftentimes it is the gray area between sectors where innovation occurs, right? So drones are not just about taking aerial photography. Drones can be about taking a, you know, images of, a, of an agricultural field and determining exactly where to apply water and different chemicals that will then decrease the amount of runoff and impact on the environment. And, uh, you know, pesticides that aren't needed on, on food. So there's, there's this convergence around technology, around healthcare, I think that's really important. Um, you know, around diversity, uh, Gwinnett County, where Rowan is located, about a million people just in Gwinnett County, one of the fastest growing and one of the most diverse counties in the United States. Mm. Uh, you, and and it's, it's, it's by race, but it's also culturally. You have a tremendous um, Asian population there, and people from all over the world that call Gwinnett County home. And for us, I mean, one, you know, the fact of Gwinnett being what the United States will look like in the year 2050 is a great marker mm. uh, because we can tell a company, look, come here and you're going to be working and surrounded by a population where yeah. you're literally going into the future. Very interesting. And these are the people that you want to hire. Yeah. And I think, you know, that speaks to how you find solutions. It speaks to the, 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 what workforce is looking for. How do you support that? How do you connect them? How do they connect and reflect globally around things like healthcare and policy and, and whatnot? So, so I think both of those things, convergence, the diversity aspect are, are extremely important. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is, you know, as our institutions and as our major entities that are in Georgia um, find ways to come together and partner around projects, initiatives, around venture investing that uh, increases the size of the pie, not just their piece of the pie is a priority that, that I think benefits all of us. Yeah. That requires leadership. It requires intentionality and it requires repetition uh, to, to do that. It can't just be a one-off. It can't just be managed at the bottom. We have to do those things together consistently and hear it from the folks at the top. And, uh, and that's something, you know, we are committed to certainly at Rowan. 
This has been a great conversation. I just want to ask a, a, a closing question for each of you as we wind the uh, the conversation down. And um, you know, maybe James, you can start. Just a brief comment around, you know, individuals that are hearing this conversation and want to follow in your footsteps. Um, again, maybe not specifically, and you know, get into the healthcare, you know, strategy and building the space we're talking about. But what advice would you have to an individual that's just um, looking for direction on keeping an open mind toward an opportunity um, in the field that that you're involved in. Yeah, I I think I'll build on what Mason just said about having a purpose and growing the pie. Uh, I think that's important. If if you know where you are trying to help grow the pie and grow the industry, there's there's always room. But for for someone very interested in becoming an entrepreneur and getting into the sectors of technology or healthcare or life sciences, you know the the biggest value that the Atlanta community has brought me uh, and the, the broader community in general is that ask folks want to help. So asking for help and asking how to get involved and really being vulnerable and airing out the opportunities and the problems that you're trying to address. I, I think it's it's been uh, very rewarding to see everybody jumping in. So I, I would say, you know, use your resources, do that outreach, ask for help, be very intentional about the things you're trying to get done and, and define that purpose and, uh, and, and, and be relentless in going after it. That's great. Yeah. Mason. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways to get, get into a lot of <laughs> industries, right? Um, you know, d- just thinking about this reflects. I got two teenagers in high school, a freshman <laughs> yeah. and a sophomore yeah, well, in high that's school. A, yeah, we've it's got a family in mind here. Yeah. Counseling <laughs> opportunity every single day, and that's just for me. Um, but see, you're on a podcast now, so the, that's right. The, yeah. What you say right now will have influence. That's right. You know, I told over the kids this children. morning. Will, Daddy's going to be on a podcast. They're going to listen to this. That's right. I'm going to send it to them. Um, but no, I, I think something that we talk about in our house is uh, when when we talk about what your work future looks like, and I certainly think it applies to Rowan, is, you know, I tell them, say yes as much as you can say yes to opportunities where you know you can add value and mm-hmm. be helpful. Mm-hmm. Most people are too afraid to say yes. Yeah. Just say yes. Second, show up. Be present. So much of our world is distracted and we're absent, even when we're sitting in the same room. Mm-hmm. So showing up, being authentic, being present is the other priority. And then finally is, you know, follow up on what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's really busy. Things get forgotten. They drop off a task list. But when you make a commitment and you're going to do something for someone to help them out, to, to add value, go do it. Mm-hmm. And those three things in themselves, you're going to be on a pathway to whether it's a you know, pathway to Rowan or it's a pathway somewhere else are yeah. really going to resonate with folks. That's great. Uh, really true pleasure with the conversation today. Um, each of you, James, Enjoyed it. Mason, um, really excited to be collaborating with you and looking forward to a great future ahead uh, within each of the projects that we're all focused on, but in deep collaboration to really raise up the Atlanta ecosystem. So thanks for all the great work you're doing and look forward to the future. That's great. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. It was another great episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with our guests today and were inspired the way I was. Looking forward to reconvening again in two weeks. Please visit our website at labratstounicorns.com. We welcome any of your comments, feedback, ideas. If you want me to ask certain questions of guests or you have ideas of people that we should be interviewing. That is all goodbye. 